Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com. Mentioned last week, but we have the new premium podcast platform. So it used to be you had to go to one specific uh, mobile app, and it was a pain in the butt, to be frank. Now, uh, you can pretty much go wherever you want. Uh, you can be a listening free agent. Uh, as long as you sign up for GM Plus over there at uh, UTH Dynasty, uh, you can get all the premium podcasts, including the Film Notes show, it's been going about an hour and a half and we still have bye weeks and stuff so uh, I, I'm definitely going into a little more detail I think than previous seasons and uh, again you get all that right to your uh, your doorstep on Monday morning you also get a bunch of other content including the running back roundup shows with Jordan McNamara and myself going over every NFL depth chart every single week of the regular season at the running back position to make sure you are caught up and in the know for the waiver wire trading and just the lay of the land uh, for all of the depth charts and it's been a crazy easy year for that. So can't recommend it enough. That comes out Tuesday night slash first thing Wednesday morning. Got Katie here and the trade deadline. It's a little, it, it's, it's good and bad. I always look at the, this calendar of as quick as it starts about a month or a month and a half later, you're like, wow, trade deadline is almost here. And that really is a cutoff point week 11 for a lot of leagues where you're you're limited and maybe every single week you have not you know gone through and looked at teams and you know sent offers received offers etc but now we're getting to the point of about 10 days left depending on when this cutoff happens if it's Thursday Sunday whatever uh, in week 11 that now you are under the gun and now you should uh, for a decent number of your leagues have some data points on am I contending am I rebuilding and what what is my action plan here? Certain positions, certain players. I will point out uh, end of last week, and it's uh, still good. Uh, I really uh, scrubbed every skill position and and put together some contender or pretender targets for you and some price points. So regardless of your team direction, regardless of your position, uh, there's something that's evergreen for the next couple weeks that you can look at over there on the the website as well. But Katie, we were just talking before the show that. There, there's some things to there, there's some exercises to do for your team in terms of determining if you're still stuck in the middle, but also is there a move I should be making? Uh, do you think you're weak at a position? And there's a number of different decision making, you know, like that the decision tree that makes you decide even am I interested or not, independent of the players that may or may not be available. I always like to do this exercise with any of my teams that look like they're going to make the playoffs, as well as any of the teams that aren't. And I, I have a formula. It's been serving me well. And I did this for a listener this past week. I made a, an Excel spreadsheet of their team as far as what the starting requirements are. He felt like he was weak at quarterback in a start one quarterback league. He's got Matt Ryan and Tua Tungavailoa. We didn't have many data points on Tua. This was prior to his start. 
And I, I said, well, let's take a look at your roster. Let's take a look. Right now he's in the top two, and he lost one of his uh, top scorers, and he was just feeling like he needed a quarterback possibly and, and maybe a wide receiver heading into the playoffs. His team is top two right now. He's clearly going to make the playoffs. So I said, well, let me, let me do this exercise for you and show you what I normally do. And what I like to do, you know, it, his league, I'll use his as an example, is start one quarterback. You've got to start two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and then two flex. It's not super flex. So I looked at his strength of remaining schedule from week nine through week 13, who his opponent was, put their current record, put who was on by when I was playing them or when he was playing them, and then who do they have, that opponent have, on by. And are we on an equal playing field, you know, versus uh, the starting requirements, or do you have an advantage, or do you have a disadvantage? And then kind of weigh that to see, okay, well, it looks like I should win at least three out of the next five games. That should keep me in the top one to two, get me that playoff bye in round uh, in week 14, and then look at my playoff schedule from there. But you still want to continue. You still want to use week 14 in there just in case you slip down a third place and you have to play that week. And you, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So I looked at his weaknesses for week nine and picked which guys could be the starters. His weakness would be at wide receiver three. There, he had several options, but there was no clear-cut option. And everything's flexible. We, you know, as you know, things change. COVID makes things change and maybe somebody gets a, bu- a bump up or maybe somebody gets a bump down. But right now it looked like his weakness would be wide receiver three. In week 10, wide receiver four, although he had decent options uh, at wide receiver, but he was going to be lacking both Zeke and Gurley and would need to start more wide receivers than normal. So, then he would be at full strength for weeks 11 through 13. You look at the playoffs, and then I look even more specifically at, okay, I think I've got a weakness at quarterback. Who are my quarterbacks playing against? And by now, you've got a good feeling for which defenses are ranked worse against the pass and which ones are ranked best against the pass. So his options in week 14, and possibly he's got a by in week 14, so it may not matter. But his choices would be Ryan, Matt Ryan against the 21st ranked passing uh, defense or Tua against the number three overall. So you probably would go with Matt Ryan as a start. And against the 21st in that range, he's been putting up over 20 fantasy points, so that's pretty solid. Then you look at week 15. It's either Matt Ryan against the 14th overall defense or Tua versus the 9th overall. We didn't have enough data points for Tua at that point, so maybe Tua against the 9th wouldn't be the way to go. Maybe you go with Matt Ryan against the 14th. And then in Week 16, the championship, it would be Matt Ryan versus the 3rd overall uh, passing defense or Tua against the 24th. And if Tua started to look good before you get to your uh, trade deadline, whatever that is, then you can clearly hold, you've got balance at quarterback, one or the other, against a fairly weak or this bottom half of the league weak opponent, and you're solid that that's not really a detriment. So then you look at running back, and it's easy to find two to three starts from 
from each of the guys unless you've got injuries, but nobody can predict that. So solid at running back, wide receiver, solid in week 14. Week 15 and 16, kind of a little bit more questionable and a little bit at tight end, um, although decent matchups. So then you look at the bottom six teams, the worst teams in the league, and who do they have for wide receiver targets that you could go shop for? And then you're going to set your price point based on what you're looking at. So Antonio Brown was an option, but very risky because we haven't seen Antonio Brown play this year, but he has some pretty good matchups when he was weakest. So, you know, you could probably get Antonio Brown sight unseen pretty cheap. Uh, Jordan Reed was another possible tight end, really cheap target. McLaurin or Randall Cobb, Travis Fulgham or Tyreek Hill, they've got good uh, playoff schedules. Brandon Ayuk has a good playoff schedule. If he wanted to go quarterback, Jared Goff, just for the playoffs, has a pretty good schedule. Uh, Corey Davis, Stephon Diggs, or Cooper Cup are other targets that have fairly good playoff uh, opponents. And then Brandon Cooks or Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen, or if he really did want a tight end, Hayden Hurst would be a decent uh, he's a, he's against some decent playoff opponents for uh, that allow points against the tight end position. So just breaking it down that way, you can really get a better idea of do I really need to look at this position or not? And then you can figure out how much do I need to spend to get that position fixed. If you need a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four, that's going to be a lot cheaper than if you need a wide receiver one. If if you need a running back two or three versus I know I need a running back one. And make sure if, if you get a bridge player that you're paying bridge player prices, and this gives you a shopping list and gives you six different league mates where you can shop and try your best to to fill and any one of these could fill that gap quite nicely. And again, it's not it's not an exact science because the day after you purchase that player, they could get hurt. They could get covid, they could get hurt. Anything can happen. There's no guarantees. But it's what I've done for years and it it works um to a decent enough extent and I don't know anything else uh that would I'll be saying it every year yeah. because I, I had that exact same thing happen. It was a couple years ago. I was dying on the vine at tight end. I bought OJ Howard for a dynasty trade and price that I, I was good with. And sure enough, uh, the very next game, he got injured. Mm-hmm. And I was and again, I was getting him, obviously, for more than just... Uh, I still have him. Uh, right. More than just that, you know, closing four, five, six weeks. But, it, you know, I got, I got zero starts because he, he exited, you know, and got, you know, less than five points or something. And then that was it. I was back to figuring things out. And I think that was after the trade deadline. I made that deal um, in terms of, like, the last week going into it or whatever and so that's a again a a cautionary tale that right you can uh, quote unquote address something but still no guarantee that you're you're fixing something or actually supplementing because the trade deadline typically is a few weeks removed from as you mentioned a a playoff schedule that's so juicy who could possibly resist or uh, who knows if the player is going to be healthy when you get to those matchups that you need or want them the most um, I was I was looking at sort of three or four different subsets, and uh, you addressed one of them, so I'm going to leave that alone. About you're looking at a bye week, you know, you're basically projecting at this point for a bye week. And one sneaky strategy I would say is if you are already, you know, uh, maybe say you know two or three games clear with what is it five to play that. 
of of the number three seed and you're sitting at one or two right now, that a sneaky thing for me is if you can't squeeze a roster spot for a second, you know, if you are going to look at, say, team defense and, man, there's one or two that yep. I really want to set set that week 15 matchup and make sure if I'm running low on funds, I don't want to get squeezed out if someone's going to do that same strategy. Is you, So maybe you carry a second defense. Or what I would say is there's a couple right now, and offhand, I, I had them a few hours ago, but just look at the schedule. There's ones where their bye week is is completely done and you can just ride them with with decent to above average matchups through the rest of the season and then when you get there you're still going to have those matchups that you want so you can just roll them every week because maybe there's a little bit better play to to stream from the waiver wire but you're not really in a position where that's going to matter to you ultimately and and it probably doesn't make that much of a difference but you do want that benefit if you can get it in a playoff matchup um, or critical matchup but you're not in that zone Uh, the other thing i would say is if you're in the middle of you're still within reach of a buy, you you need to be thinking, you know, not taking your foot off, even if you're kind of guaranteed a playoff spot, but you're still maybe a couple games out, you know, you still got to do your absolute best and not do that strategy I just said because if you can get to a buy, it is a huge advantage probability wise that yes. you're going to finish in the money, that you're going to finish, you're going to get to the finals. Taking that game played out of it, that could be your dud week and that could end your run. And a lot of times in a three-week run of the playoffs, you're going to have a game that you don't score like you really need to score. And if you don't get maybe that one team else that you could maybe beat in the, in the playoff tree, then you're out. And, and the very next week, you might score way above your seasonal average. So you, if you can take away that variable, try to get the buy if at all possible. Now, again, I'm not going to the path of, well, that means you have to you know, look at the next month of schedules and sell out and make these win-now moves. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you're not going to try to – don't look ahead to week 14 or 15. you got to stay and, and do your absolute best until it's not possible uh, and you're you're like, well, I'm locked in three through six. So now I can kind of shift to what's my next most important week. And that's going to be week 14 probably for you in a 16 playoff. So that's what I, I, you know, I think what you said is very good. The other thing would be look at your matchups and look at who, who the other teams are playing. If you're in this cluster or if you're sitting right now at four and five, you know, or th- even three and six, and you're like, I'm two games out of the playoffs. So I'm, it's really me versus, you know, there's four teams and we're playing for one spot. Well, start looking at the matchups. If you have a diabolically difficult schedule and then, you know, two or three of the other teams have it, have it a lot easier than you, then you got to be realistic. I mean, this might be at that moment a time where you're like, I'm two games out. I've got three or four games against playoff teams here, and it's just—it it looks like it's not going to come together. I, you know, I thought I was going to have McCaffrey back, and now he's probably going to miss this week. Like, so look at the whole equation, and that might be a moment where you say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the cards in," and maybe there is a, a trade to be made to a contender with some of these players that I'm, I'm trying to flip before the deadline or flip before the off season. And then the other one would be is look at, you know, so if you're done and then, but look at that scenario, you might have a pretty good schedule. Hey, I've only got, I've only got one difficult matchup and I'm playing the teams that I'm trying to surpass now, or I'm, I'm tied with right That's now. That's always a big I'm help. Playing, yeah. Yeah. You know, if, cause I always like that and you could say, oh man, well, you know, in two weeks, if I lose that game, I'm out of it. 
Well, look at the other way. If you win, that's it's like a divisional matchup. I, all of a sudden, I can ensure that that team's going to lose. And if I score well, I might outscore them in, in potential points or uh, whatever tiebreakers are. Yeah, I might make sure you be ahead of them and just need to beat them. Make sure you know what those tiebreakers are. Head-to-head may be fourth They're all on the list. Yeah. yeah, every league is different. And sometimes it goes win percentage and then total points and then all play record and then head-to-head. And if that's the case, then it's less important that you beat the guy head-to-head. I mean, obviously, it's going right. to help because it will give you a better win percentage. But total points you know, uh, is is going to be usually factored in there. Just know what your tiebreakers are and yeah. look. make sure so, that you're yeah. looking at, at it from that perspective. Yeah, so you can get the probabilities going in your head of how realistic is this if you're somewhere in the middle or even one or two games back. And then, so do that assessment this week, but also have a sense of, how important is this week? Is this week one of my easiest matchups? Is this week one of my most difficult ones? Because you're still going to have time to pick a team direction. You just may have between Monday night at 11 or midnight or whatever until Thursday kickoff or Sunday. Uh, if there is a, a week 11 deadline for trading, you will still have a window to get one more data point. But like I said, you, you may get you want to do that assessment this week for those teams. And then you also want to do that assessment after this week on, well, how important was that? Do I look better or worse after one more week has been played? And, and this is really the time of year where then the, once you get beyond the trade deadline, there's not really a ton else other than, you know, you're going to start slowly shifting some of your players that are more this year centric because you can't trade them anymore. And, and you might filter in two, three, four stash guys looking at contracts and I'll, I'll have articles and, and, and analysis of let's start looking at contracts and, and changing situations that could be occurring to get the best stash players into the off season possible. And that's more of, you know, deeper leagues, but as you end up uh, start falling out of, well, okay, I, I had 10 teams in the playoffs and, you know, five of them played in the first round, uh, you know, in week 14, two or three of them lost. So now those two or three teams can shift over and, and start looking ahead to next year and to, to the offseason with some of those final roster spots. The next week in the semis, you know, so you get the attrition level is the thing to re- that is, is kind of a theme of December is your team's start to fall out of it. And again, you might have teams that are that are that are rebuilding situations or two and seven right now that are already kind of in that mode, but you still need to be in trade mode because you can still offer something, you can still benefit from some running back injuries or otherwise that can offer opportunities to cash out to contenders that might lose players or just want supplementation. Absolutely. As the trade trade deadline approaches, you should be able to make deals if you're in that lower six and there is no possibility that you're going to make the playoffs. Don't panic sell. Stay patient even still. You, some owners like to make those moves now. Others like to wait until right before the trade deadline to see if they're even necessary. And yet again, others like to take that middle-of-the-road approach and go partway between now and the trade deadline where they make their moves. And so just keep shopping. Keep the communications open and really focus a lot of your attention on those teams that are bubble teams because who you offer them could help them get over that bubble and into the playoffs and you may be able to make one trade this week and then another trade next week and then another trade right at the deadline to keep 
keep you know keep that owner chasing the dragon. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, and please and please don't dump players because I've seen it before where folks think and and just to rattle off a few that could fit this ilk and you're sitting you're like I'm not contending. I've got Julio Jones or Adam Thielen or even some people might discount uh you know discount Tyler Lockett at 28 or or some of the the top guys. Like don't or Keenan Allen, you know, just to take wide receiver that don't think that, okay, I'm out of it, and you know what? I don't feel very close. Like, we've heard that before that, well, guess what? A rookie draft, you get some of your rookies this year going into year two. You get changing landscape of the offseason, and you could absolutely want and win with the guys I just named for multiple seasons beyond 2020. So don't sit there and go, well, I'm too far away. I got, I'll, get, I'll just get a late first for player X or I'll get a, a contender second. And it's not what I want, but you almost put this pressure and timetable on yourself to get it done. It's okay. And we've all, I think one of the, the things we've said before to each other or on shows is, you know, sometimes the best deal are the deals that you don't make, right? I mean, yeah. what I like to do sometimes in the, the doldrums of, of, of December or January, you kind of look back at all the trades you sent, you know, sometimes or all the trades that were sent to you and kind of look back and say, you know, which ones do I, do I wish I would have accepted? Which ones am I glad that were not accepted, you know, by the other team? So uh, there's a lot of them where, you know, you might feel that pressure of an older player on your roster. And and, I, and another good example would be, you know, you're sitting as a non-contender and I've been able to exploit this from the other side, but you're sitting as a non, uh, sorry, as a contender and you're seeing folks fire sale like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, older quarterbacks in Superflex where it's like, where are we running to? Yeah. You know, like, be careful. Like, you're trying to just get a random pick. I mean, not everyone turns out to be startable right away, like Justin Herbert or, you know, just you're if you're flipping for a pick or you're flipping for the promise of, oh, they're going to be a multi-year starter in the future, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and all these other guys might be multi-year starters in the future. Like, be careful what you're running away from and, and the profiles that you're all of a sudden eschewing because they are older. You know, that, that the, I think the, the danger, and I used to have this five plus years ago of, of thinking that the worst thing you can do is have a player retire off of your roster, like the Tony Gonzalez into the sunset, bye-bye, like that, that is, and all of a sudden it's a zero for you. It's a zero and you kind of stick your tail between your legs and you're like, I had him. I could have sold him for something, a nickel, a third round pick, something. But now he's worth nothing because he formally retired. I, That's not the worst case scenario. I actually think the worst case scenario is another example I bring up, which is like a couple of years ago, someone fire sailed Drew Brees and Superflex. I got him for a discount. And let's look at the story since. Every yeah. offseason is like printing money. And I think people buying right now for someone in last place with Tom Brady and especially after last week, and they're like, that's it. I'm out. I'm not contending. I got to get out of this. It's horrible. And if he plays next year, like you are likely hemorrhaging value and losing that deal like to a high degree. And so I'm all about like if you're going to shed points and get players that are hurt or get picks and it makes sense for you, yes, there is an added benefit of helping your draft position in, in some capacity because you're trading points for ideally points or assets that are more valuable to you in the future. However, I think you can get in too much of a, of a cycle of doing that and you're just like 
hurting your team. You're like cutting yourself limb from limb that now, I mean, look back a year from now and you're like, man, I got these developing players. Everything's looking good. But man, now I need a bridge quarterback. You had a bridge quarterback. You had one and you just gave it away all because you were trying to go from like 104 to 103 with your potential points in the draft. So be very careful about doing that and having that too much as the focal point of some of these trades you're making at the end before the deadline. Yes. Good point. Um, I want to ask you, Katie, that we haven't talked, and again, we're still trying to do this. I have this feeling that it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend. I, I don't know why I have this in my head, but us doing, you know, we'll, we'll do like a quick show on every Debbie position uh, just to talk some college. Yes. But has there, we haven't talked college one time between us. I think we've texted a few things in, over the last few weeks, but we've got all the, all the requisite conferences up and running. Has there been a fixture game team player that, that you've watched and either you know, all of a sudden you like them a lot more. Maybe you didn't even know who they were to a, you know, a great extent. Haven't really watched them play too much until this year, but now you're getting a sense or the more data points, you know, not the better for, for some players. Like, is there one or two you want to, you want to just rapid fire here to, to include in this show as like a little Debbie teaser, yeah, or, or, if you will. Absolutely. Um, the incoming freshman running backs, there was a big question, you know, who was going to be the stud coming out the gate and I really liked uh, the trio of Marshawn Lloyd, Kendall Milton, and Tank Bigsby. And I absolutely am just so over the moon for Tank Bigsby. He is really having an excellent freshman season. He's, he's a tank. You know, he, he was not, nicknamed... Not so much a block depth chart, huh? Right. I mean, he was a tank at two years old. That was his nickname from when he was two. And it, he fits that mold. And... I just love his running style. Uh, so I still love Marshawn Lloyd, who got hurt. He plays for South Carolina, isn't playing this season. Um, so there's a name to monitor for the future. Kendall Milton is, you know, blocked depth, depth chart in Georgia. But we know that Georgia is prolific with uh, running backs. They don't always have guys that hit in the pros. Yes, I'm talking about Elijah Holifield. Um, but I do like Kendall Milton, what I've seen of him. Um, but Tank Bigsby is clearly separated of those three. Yeah, it's it's been great to watch him. I mean, because again, that SEC factor of a freshman producing already and a guy that already had, you know, about 210, ran in the high four fours and, and just checking a lot of those boxes in addition to that recruiting angle uh, where he was one of the top recruits coming in. Not the top recruit, right? Uh, but, we, but we see how that varies. And yeah, he's already in the top 10% of the model because he's producing and two-way producing is what I would, what, uh, I would also highlight there. And um, how about yeah, you? There's... What do you have for somebody that either is surprising you or uh, taking off in, in a way that you didn't quite expect? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, all right, just to to stay on running back brand here, um, it's been really nice to finally see more sample size and a healthy Zamir White. Um, I knew you were going to say him. (laughs) It's a big big year for him. And I I think we said that on the off-season Debbie shows because we're talking about our uh, drafts in general because you talk about a guy uh, nicknamed Zeus that had all the expectations. I mean, pretty much had an unblemished recruiting score, goes to a pipeline program, but Injury, injury, and can he, you know, end up, all he has to do is post, you know, right? All he has to do enough, because if you play at Georgia, you play at Alabama, it really just takes one year as the lead back to reaffirm a lot of the things that, that was, was put on you, warranted coming out of high school. And for Zamir White, you know, it's a stacked depth chart. It always is, but 
it doesn't take much, and he's producing now. Uh, he's a big time. He showed big time speed uh, on a couple of his breakaway runs. Finally, getting healthy. I know Georgia is having sort of some struggles with you know not playing the quarterback that they intended too much, and and plenty of questions. But he's finally producing enough, and and again, it doesn't take much to have him firmly on the radar. And those are the types that you can say: Is it possible? Does he get hurt? Does he flame out? And maybe he's one of those. Man, there's a lot of potential there, but they end up going day three or undrafted or whatever. But he's eligible this year. He's a little on the older side for where he is in school. But redshirt sophomore, and he's peaking where maybe he comes back to school. Maybe he comes out. Um, but if he, all of a sudden, if he, if guys like that with the physical profile to absolutely be a difference maker and a starter in the NFL, then all they have to do is is post and a season somewhere in there, especially with his twists and turns of injuries. And all of a sudden you're, you're among, and we kind of talked about this, that it's relatively wide open of the top three to five. And Zamir White could absolutely be in there. And all of a sudden you're talking about a guy that could go in the top, you know, 60 to 75 of the draft just because of his potential, even though he hasn't been a multi-year or three-year starter and strong two-way producer, like some of these guys. Oh, and the other oh, and one other thing I would mention is Travis Etienne. Watching a couple of Clemson's games, especially this last one, he, the way he's being used as a receiver, and I know some people are talking about how you know his technique and he's fighting the ball a little bit, but the way they're using him, it feels very much like whether this is a poor man's version, the same, different, whatever it is, but could see him with how how much he's being used as a receiver, running routes. Uh, you could see that you know in a perfect storm. And again, could be a poor man's level, but an Alvin Kamara type player in the NFL of two-way guy, you look at his movement ability and to be able to run a variety of routes, whether it's 30-yard routes or anything 10 yards and in against single coverage, uh, there's just a lot of potential there. And I've seen some round one, uh, you know, running backs don't go round one, but I mean, you're seeing a guy that could go top 15, top 20 of the NFL draft. So those are two that... I've just I've seen a little bit of different things this year than you know maybe the the two year running profile and, and data point so far. Yeah, and you know I'm not a big advocate for uh, quarterbacks in Devi, but if you are playing in Superflex, you've at least gotten to see the future of Clemson football with Trevor Lawrence <laughs> out, DJ Uyunglele. Uh, nice. And thank you. I've been working on that, um, but he is a passer. And a running threat. He's big. He's physical. I he's I look. He's a he's a tank. He should have a nickname tank too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll just call him Yui. Maybe I don't know or yeah. something. But Bryce Young was another one. But he's you know Mac Jones has looked very good in Alabama. Uh, Alabama doesn't really churn out quarterbacks usually. Um, I do. I did like Tua. Uh, Mac Jones. I'm not all that crazy about. He's one of those guys that kind of like a Joe Burrow. You know, he's having a very good year, but I think he's, if he does get a job in the NFL, I think it's going to be more that average, you know, I don't see him as being a a great must-have quarterback. Like Spencer Rattler clearly has the arm, Uh, you know, he's he's got so many more assets to be a stud, to be a star in the NFL, Um, and that's really what you're going to want at quarterback, otherwise you can just stream or just have a good depth chart. Yeah. And it's as good a time as any to mention that, 
you know, Devi is something that, you know, you're hearing us talk about it and it opens up the entire college landscape. I want to do a draft. Per- I want to do a startup. <laughs> I biggest, really am Jones. I know. The biggest, the biggest perk is that you get to have a much better understanding and sense of players as they come up the ranks. And by the time they get to your rookie draft proper for the, uh, your other traditional dynasty leagues, that's when, uh, you know, the biggest benefit to all your leagues. Yes, you're you're prepping and studying for your Devi drafts and that can start as shallow. You know, some 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 leagues are, hey, everybody can draft one player. You know, one player, any college player, and that's all you get. You could trade your rights, but basically you just draft one a year. Um, it can go as as sparse as that. You can go as diabolically deep as hundreds of players being owned at any point in time in your league, which is uh, a huge transition. So you can start small, you can start and jump off the deep end and hope you don't drown. You're probably drowned a little bit. You'll take on water no matter what. Everyone does. Uh, but but again, it, it's just such a great experience of going, you know, I'm used to NFL only. You know, I, I get and I do my drafts in May, you know, for rookie drafts. And you can go a step further. You can do rookie drafts before the NFL draft, have, have a league or two of your portfolio that does that. That's a, a changing uh, a changing environment for you you can add in this coming off season. But doing Devi in some capacity, rarely do I find, because it's a new marketplace, rarely do I find people that say, you know, I joined one, eh, I really don't like it. Because you know what? If you go, I, I know people and I know owners that, that are in Devi leagues that they, they don't draft Devi. They use that as another market capability to say, Hey, there's going to be people, it's just like people that like and don't like rookie picks or people that are, you know, they value them higher or lower than the market. Same thing with any asset in dynasty leagues is rookie picks or, or, or sorry, Devi picks or Devi players. You sit there and can say, Hey, uh, it's another, it's another marketplace to say, I either like them and think they're undervalued or, you know, I'd rather trade them away to get NFL players or veteran players or rookies or so you just have, so, so it seems like everybody in a Devi league, I, I rarely see someone going, eh, I really don't want to mess with the college thing because that means you can just trade your picks. So either way, uh, you have just a new avenue for trading. And especially this time of year before the deadline of contender and non-contenders, you just have more avenues to facilitate trades and constructing the back end of your roster. Absolutely. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? I was going to go into the uh, the UTH best ball contest, give a little weekly update here. Let's do that. Let's do it. Um, and Katie, you're still up top. Yes. You are still up top. Now Andrew's I'm breathing down you. my neck. Well, yes, it is, it is, you are too. It is getting tight. Yes. I am, I'm at five and there's a pretty big teardrop below me, but we've got Bart, we've got Andy and Andrew um, all in the top five as well as you that it's a, about a 50-point gap and they are right on you. Yep. You four are within 10 points. So this is going to yes. be a fun stretch to the end of the season. Now, I wanted to give a shout out to Jeremy who ended up taking down the whole contest this past week. Big, big week. And nice, nice score. Had, yeah, he had a perfect storm. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, if you didn't get the word, uh, <laughs> word is the bird. He put up uh, a ton of points there against Seattle's poorest defense. And he got the best game of the whole season so far out of Drew Locke uh, this past weekend. Got uh, three total touchdowns, including a touchdown on the ground. Um, otherwise just a very solid performance. It was not an overly high scoring week. Uh, I kind of thought just a sidebar and, and it parallels this best ball contest that, you know, look just, I, I usually get a sense of how my teams are going to do after I watch all the games. And when I was lo- checking through them yesterday and today, 
I, I had a lot better head-to-head record for the week than I was expecting because, in general, the scoring was down. In general, there weren't a lot of high-impact players. Now, if you went against a buzzsaw of one to two of those players, you probably lost. If you had one, you probably won. But everything else, you could have gotten away this week with a lower score because the other team was struggling through some, some, you know, some, some middling performances overall. And that was, you know, other than his quarterbacks, Jeremy did not have a, a 30-point score in his lineup, which is pretty rare for the week. He doesn't have super depth. Uh, basically, those two quarterbacks are the only two quarterbacks he has um, at this point in time for lineups. And, and he only had Adam Thielen and Marquise Brown uh, lost George Kittle um, of note on his bench. So this was pretty much the perfect storm week. Congratulations, Jeremy. He lapped the field by over 20 points. And already mentioned the top five. And I don't think we're getting a lot of help, Katie, because I saw for the week that uh, uh, Jordan finished dead last uh, <laughs> DFL uh, for the week. So he's been fading. Tim is way down there as well. So it, it is we, – we, uh, Just you and help me, kid. Is not, help is not coming. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we, we, yeah can so we, got, we, we can do this. We got this. Exactly. Uh, like I said, we, we need someone up in the top five to ten, and, and having two contenders, uh, we'll definitely take two out of four um, there. Um, final thoughts for the week, Katie, in terms of we, – we mentioned a few things about Dynasty trading, um, but other than that, um, is there anything else that you wanted to plug or uh, shout out? No, just uh, keep grinding. Keep working. Keep you know doing more than what your league mates are. Yep. There's probably a lot of your league mates that have checked out. They may not even answer trade requests, but yep. maybe you know try to ping them on an instant message or if they're on Twitter, try to DM them or something and get their attention rather than just send an offer and and see if they answer because it's probably going to go unnoticed. Uh, they may not even be setting their lineups uh, on a regular basis anymore, and so be proactive reach out to them, try to get a conversation going and make it a mutual win-win, you know, something that they can use, something that you can use, but just keep grinding. That's a great point. And and know that the the mid-season swoon, and it happens for everybody. It could have been a couple weeks ago. Maybe it's in a couple weeks, but if you're kind of in it where it's like, ah, you know, the weekly grind of, of, of X number of leagues, whatever your you know league portfolio is, but just know that once you get past the trade trade deadline in some of your leagues, that you're gonna miss it. You you know, and and when you get to the point where some of your teams are officially out of it, you're officially done setting lineups, and after that, when the waiver wire is 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 complete for the year, that you're gonna wish. You know, you're gonna wish you had one more week. You're gonna wish you had one more one more data point to grind through and make assessments to to improve your team. So just know if this is the tough week, if it's next week, if it's week 13, whatever it is, that just cherish it because we got way more time in the off season than time in season. So we're going to be wishing in, in February, March. Yes. We'll be in, in uh, rookie, rookie evaluation season, startup season, uh, rookie draft season, all these things, but just know that the, the precious weeks of the regular season are few. We've gotten way, we've had a way smoother ride than I think anyone in June or July ever could have projected. Um, and, and let, so we need to enjoy that process of the weekly, you know, who's going to IR? Who am I pulling off of IR? Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed you're getting guys back. And, you know, making those trades, making those lineup decisions and uh, and the waiver wire and just not leaving stones unturned because the last thing you want to do is, you know, have, have someone fire sailing a player and you're like, man, I wasn't in on that. I, I didn't see it or I didn't, uh, I didn't really notate that in that two, three hour window where I really needed to get in there and make an offer 
or uh, you know you just let something slip through in terms of a player that got dropped over the weekend or you know today and all of a sudden you're not going to be bidding on that player because you just weren't tracking it uh, so make sure that attention to detail is key for you across your leagues because in another few weeks uh, you're going to have less leagues to track and uh, you know in a couple months you're going to be wishing we had all these teams to actively manage as we are so katie flower at ff underscore scholar 399 i am at chad parsons nfl reminder about uthdynasty.com also patreon.com slash uth you get uh, bonus content over there there's a vip chat as well as a live strategy session with me every single week of the regular season so you can support the show with no ads uh, with some of the other uth offerings there so until next time never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. Thank you.